Super Talk Mississippi media production. So joining me now on the podcast, a guy whose work I I have admired for a long time, Bill Connolly from ESPN, the creator of the S&P Plus formula. He also used to host a podcast with a guy that nobody likes, Stephen Godfrey, called Podcast Ain't Played Nobody, especially me, Bill. I don't like Stephen Godfrey. He hates my team. Well, I mean, who does like Stephen Godfrey, really? It's, it's, it's It's a tough question. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm not looking forward to seeing him in Nashville next week at, at SEC uh, <laughs> media days. He's just so, a terrible guy to have a good time with. <laughs> the worst. So let's just sort of jump into S&P Plus, because I know a lot of our listeners probably aren't super familiar with it. And the ones that are, maybe you like me, like I see it and I have the basic understanding of it, but I, I would appreciate the master's detail. So like I'm five years old, please. What is S- S&P Plus? Well, we, we had to ditch the ampersand uh, a while back, but yeah, okay. SP plus is a, uh, I mean, the idea here is it's a, it's a measure of what's actually sustainable and predictive in football. There's a lot of randomness in football. We don't have much of a sample size to work with, but it's an idea of, you know, let's adjust for a tempo, let's adjust for opponent and let's actually look at what's, what you can actually maintain and, and do again from week to week to week. And um, a lot of that's based on efficiency on my, you know, success rate uh, measure that I uh, talk about in, in some of the stuff I write. Um, but that, yeah, at its heart, it's, it's intended to be a good, forward facing not a, not a resume rating not a you beat team b therefore you're ahead of team b kind of deal but a forward facing a power rating a predictive thing that you can use week to week one thing that i've i've noticed with analytics through the years is that nobody wants to be happy with them <laughs> i don't know if i if that's if i'm putting it that the right way or not but when you get flack is it more from teams like georgia and alabama who don't understand why they're not number 1 or is it from more teams like say mississippi state who are like why are we 43rd yeah, a lot of times I think what what SP Plus is generally best at is is that sustainability word. The team that comes out six and zero, but doesn't really look all that good doing it. Like it's it's awesome that they're six and zero. Fans should enjoy that they're six and zero or eight and zero or whatever. But SP Plus is pretty good at you know being a party pooper and saying like you're not going to keep this up. It's just you're 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 merely the twenty eighth best team in the country, not a top ten team, just because you're in the AP top ten or or you know however that takes shape. So it's a shame. I mean, Alabama fans have never had a problem with SP plus really, because it always tells them they have one of the two best teams in the country, (laughs) but uh, yeah, like Mississippi state fans, if if they're six and one and 23rd in SP plus, they're going to get a little mad about that. And I gotta, I mean, I'm a, I'm an alum and fan of one of those kind of second tier uh, programs here at Missouri. And so I I don't like telling all the other second tier uh, program fans, like your team's really not as good as you think. I'm sorry. That's not a lot of fun, but that's what the numbers basically always say in college football. What are the biggest outliers from your formula that you can remember? A a really good team that your numbers didn't like or a, a team that they did like that ended up not being very good? Well, there are always the cases of those teams that, you know, go seven and five with four one score losses or or even better, the, the 2016 Notre Dame team that went four and eight. They were 32nd in SP plus despite being four and eight mm-hmm. uh, because they lost so many close games and they were clearly so cl- they were much closer to being a really, really, really good team than a really bad team. Um, the Texas A&M team of 20, what was that? 2011, that they fired Mike Sherman. He went seven and six. They were, they were top 15. Uh, and, and SP plus was clearly saying like, they're very close to being a very good team, you know, bring in Kevin Sumlin and, and put Johnny Manziel in the lineup. Suddenly they're one of the two or three best teams in the country. So 
it's pretty good at that. Um, it's pretty good at picking out, and you can pretty much look at the, a list of rankings in a given year. Uh, in the in the top fifteen or so, there's going to be one team that went like seven and six or eight and five, right in the middle of all the ten and eleven and twelve win teams. That's going to usually those teams are pretty good at at, at surging the next year. Um, that you know whether it was close losses or bad turnovers, luck, whatever it was that caused them to lose a bunch of uh, games. Probably not going to happen again the next year. I remember one of your teams that your rankings liked and they were not very good. And that was a five and seven Ole Miss team in 2016. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hold a grudge, Bill, is what I'm, I guess I'm basically <laughs> trying to say here at that point. But yeah, I, I remember that because every week I was like, they're still in the top 25. I'm like, they lost. How are they still ranked? And then I had to, I was like, all right, I got to dig deeper and have a better understanding of, of what these rankings are. And I felt like I did. The way you explained it to me helped, helped a lot. <laughs> let's let's talk about this season in particular, Bill. When you look at your early rankings, is there a team that stands out to you that could be one of those outlier teams? A team you think I think they're going to be better than this, and but your numbers right now aren't high on them. Well, I there there are yeah there are the two different directions. Like what what do my numbers like that uh, most people don't, and then what are my numbers not like that most people do? I guess. Um, and early on, the conventional wisdom is kind of on this year uh which isn't a lot of fun i guess the best team the best example of a team that i that my numbers like way more than conventional wisdom is they do have oklahoma 13th mm. um which is basically based on having a really good offense and losing a ton of close games last year they were like i don't like oh and five i think in one score finishes last season which probably you know they were still gonna they were still weren't as good as normal in brent venable's first year but they were probably like an eight or nine win team that just kind of accidentally went six and seven um and so they're probably going to be in better position looking at their roster they're still holes but um they i, I think that one was I, I i can kind of understand why i, I don't think i'm i can't decide if i agree but i know why that my numbers have them in the top 15 let's put it that way um another team that i i i I don't think I've seen a lot of people talking about it and I understand why because of all the transition involved but you know if we're if we're playing the what I said earlier about lo- just looking at the teams with the records that you know their record doesn't suggest they should have been as high as they were oh, Mississippi State ended, did end up 12th in SP plus last year mm-hmm. um and you know they won nine games so that's you know it's not that crazy by any means but it was still kind of a standout thing they're right there in the middle of a bunch of 10 and 11 win teams um and I think you know they they've lost a lot. They are projected to fall uh, because of of all the the returning production they lost. But they're still a borderline top twenty five team that's going to be in a lot of close games. So um, that I haven't necessarily seen Mississippi State as a potential top twenty five poll team this year. And right. and again, I get it. But like on paper, there really is still plenty to uh, to like. I would say. We'll have to talk about an intangible, which I know, I know you're not a big fan of, but how much of the 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 eye test of Mississippi State this year sort of in your mind centers around the fact that Mike Leach just isn't yeah. isn't here anymore? Yeah, I think basically I, I've never figured out a good way to incorporate coaching changes into this because it's such a zero sum thing. And it's really mm-hmm. hard other than saying other than being able to say that usually if a team is going to take a nice step forward, it's going to be in year two, which even that I don't know if it's true anymore with with how much you can load up on the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really tricky to figure that out. And the way I look at it is there's just a lot more volatility, a lot bigger range of potential outcomes when you've got a new head coach, especially the way everything obviously has gone down there over the last year. But 
I, you know, on average, if they're projected 25th, that mean, maybe that means they've got potential for overachieving with all these first-year effects and, and you know, threatening on the top 10 or underachieving because of all these first-year effects and ended up like 50th instead. I, and so that's kind of the way I look at it is just there's a bigger range. The more change you have, the more you use the transfer portal. Uh, all of those things just increase the range of potential outcomes, good and bad. Um, and, and we'll see. I mean, in, in the SEC West, if you're not Alabama or maybe LSU, it is just going to be who wins the close games they're in. Some, you know, a couple teams always overachieve in that regard, and a couple underachieve. And and Mississippi State's one of those that could kind of go either way. When you, you know, Mississippi State, and you, when you look at their numbers, and I don't know if this is the right way to phrase this, so you'll have to forgive me. But yep. what would they need to fix to be higher? Well, I think the the. Right now, they're very they're 29th projected, 29th in offense and 32nd in defense. So really, uh, one unit or the other just needs to to stand out a little more than expected. And obviously, the the transition from Mike Leach to any other offense, uh, you have to figure. Speaking of a wide range of outcomes, um, you know, the, obviously, you know, the bringing in a new co- uh, potential new quarterback with the, with the kid from Vandy, bringing in a running back, bringing in a couple tight ends, you know, there's a there's a decent amount of new in that offense, and that means the projection might not be as accurate on average. They're 29th, they could be ninth, they could be 49th, and we'll see. I kind of lean 49th just because of the. The, the identity change and and the fact that the you know the, the what the three best receivers or three most um, prolific receivers are gone, but uh, yeah, that's going to be. I, I guess we we think we sort of know what to expect on defense, um, and, and offense kind of holds the key to you know how how can you weather all this change and actually uh, come up with something good. We'll see what happens. Very interesting stuff, Bill. I appreciate the, the in depth look at, the, at these analytics because. I feel at the same time I'm still an eye test guy. I'm just an old man, Bill, and I, you know I watch the games. And I'm like, all right, this is who I think is good. But I feel like I have a, a appreciation for the numbers, and and today gave me a little bit more of that. So hopefully the same thing can be said for our, our listeners as well. Bill Connolly, ESPN, appreciate your time, man, and uh, thanks very much for joining me. Absolutely, a Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.